So turn with me to Ephesians 1. We're actually going to be studying in Ephesians 3 today, chapter 3, but um, we want to get started here in, in chapter 1. It seems like this letter, the letter to the Ephesians, is addressed to a group of believers who are really rich beyond measure, but they're not living it because they don't know about their riches. They, they needed to be told. See, they didn't have the book of Ephesians until the book of Ephesians. In fact, um, some scholars believe that it's, it's what's called a circular letter, that it wasn't just specifically necessarily written only to the Ephesians, but it was a letter that was supposed to be shared with all the churches in Asia because of all the good stuff that's in it, causing us to understand how rich we are, rich beyond measure, um, but many times not living it. In fact, that is a picture to me, uh, not only of my life, but of almost everybody I know. We see a taste of the riches of the good things of God, but not even close to living in the fullness of it. We looked at um, Hattie. Remember Hattie? Who remembers Hattie? Do you? So Hattie was this rich lady who was living like she was poor, but um, the difference between Hattie and, uh, and the book of Ephesians, which is a great illustration um, with the same results, but she knew what she had. She knew about all of her millions or whatever it was that she had and chose to live that way. And these exceeding great and precious promises have been given to us and laid out right here in the Word, but many of us don't know them. And the reason, we, well, we, we know them here but there's a big difference, and I'm telling you, this is a, incredibly important to get this. There's a big difference between right here and having it right here. This right here can't be, you can't take it away. I mean, you can't erase what's written on your heart. When something's written on your heart, that's, that's a truth that's yours. Um, I call it baseball bat faith. Can't beat it out of you with a baseball bat. But something that's in your head can easily be taken away, and the reason... That many of us, and again, many of us are living in some of the great promises, but I think everybody in here would admit there's a whole lot more of the promises that we could live in. When you, when you, look, at the, when you look at the riches, adoption, you know, he's your dad, acceptance, redemption, forgiveness, wisdom, the inheritance, the seal of the Spirit, uh, the, the seal of the Spirit of God, sealed, you're his, the life of grace, there are many of these things that we come short on, and here's something that I want us to key on today, and we'll see a lot of this, and we're going to start in chapter 1, but we'll see a lot of it in chapter 3, and it is this word called mystery, and uh, several times we see the word mystery here, and we'll find out the, the reason that we don't necessarily have a good grasp and a good handle on all of it uh, to, be, to be able to live this life is because really it is revealed to us not just by paper and ink, even though that's important, but it's revealed to us or made real to us by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So the way something is revealed to you, um, this is just an example I heard a long time ago and I haven't thought of or heard one any better. It is like these vertical blinds. You know what vertical blinds are, you know? And, and so if they're turned this way, you can't see what is actually on the other side of it. 
So, so there is something on the other side of the blinds that you can't see until you either move the blinds or you walk over here and then you can see. Ideally, you move and then you can see what's on the other side. So God didn't reveal something new, really. He revealed something that was there that we couldn't see. Amen? And I'm just submitting to you today that there's a lot of stuff that we see and there's a lot of stuff that we don't see and these exceeding great and precious promises that make us partakers of the divine nature are just laying out right here. And we're going to talk about three prayers and along with some other stuff, but three, three prayers that we can pray to become established in this mystery, the mystery of these great riches. We can, we can receive these uh, the mystery of these great riches, riches, so they are no longer a mystery, but a revelation. And then we turn these three prayers, which are not prayers begging God to do something, but we can, we can see these prayers that we'll get to shortly where Paul asked certain things on our behalf, but now on these side of the prayers, we can make them our confessions. In other words, instead of praying for wisdom, we can say, Father, I thank you that I have your wisdom. Instead of saying, God, please show up in my life, God, I thank you that you've showed up in my life and that you're in me and on me and through me right now. And I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because here you are with me. And as I go, you go. And you go with me. You help me. The Holy Spirit's here with me. And it's not so much asking God. You know, you've heard people say, I heard somebody pray it the other day at a funeral. They said, and go with everybody as they leave this place today. Well, again, you know, um, that's just not even worth praying. I mean, that's a waste of time. He's everywhere all the time. He is going with you everywhere you go. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. And if he said that, then we should honor those words and go, you know what, I'm not going to say, God, come with me. You promised you'd always be there. So I'm going to say, Father, thank you that here we go. I know that you'll accompany me on this trip. I know, God, that I'll be safe. I speak it into existence that no weapon formed against me will prosper. Why not confess these things that God has said? It shows that we have faith in what he says rather than that we... It's a mystery to us. If you ask God, and I'm not going to rant and rave on this any more than I already have, but if you continually ask God to go somewhere with that ritual prayer, oh, God, go with us as we depart this place, then that's, I mean, you're not going to go to hell for that, but, but it, just re, it just reinforces that it's still a mystery to you that when you wake up in the middle of the night to use the bathroom, he's there with you, in you, on you, and around you. When you get up to get a drink of water, when you go out to check the mail, when you're driving in the traffic, when you go up the elevator, when you go visit somebody in the hospital, everywhere you go, there he is. And if we would stop ignoring him for a while, then we'd we would probably stop asking him to come with us. Can you imagine? You're riding along with your wife, wife or husband, and they keep saying, I sure wish you'd be with me today. And, yes, dear. Not really. I wish, you were, I wish you were with me. I wish you had gotten the car with me this morning and we could go on this journey together. Oh, yes, dear. I really wish, you know, come on, I want you to be with me. On the, you start getting your phone out. You need to dial 911. Somebody's done lost their mind. But we, but we do this with God all the time. Please heal me, God. What's he going to do? Come down and what, 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 how's that going to work? Is he going to send his son to bear your sicknesses and carry your diseases? What about looking at what he said and saying, Father, I thank you that by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. 
One way, you just get to keep begging and praying. The other way, all of a sudden, you're walking along and you go, I haven't felt that pain in two weeks. I haven't, I've had a migraine headache every week of my life, but this is week three. I didn't even notice it. And you walk right out of that sickness and disease by confessing what God has said about you. There's so much horsepower in saying what God says, and there's really no horsepower in begging God to do what he's already done. I mean, we're here. We're going to be here for the next three hours today. I mean, we got another 30 minutes together. We might as well not play games, right? And somebody gets mad at me because I'm a matter of fact about this, and they say, well, it's still good to ask. I still believe it's good to ask God to go with you. Well, then don't go. Then, Then ask him if you want to. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to go, yeah, yes, dear. <laughs> you know, the difference in, in your husband or wife is they're, they're just located a couple feet away from you. God has said he inhabits you. He's in you. You're, you're in him and he's in you and the Father is in him. And there you are, loaded wall to wall with God, saying, God, be with me. God, go with us. I, I, see, I said I wasn't going to rant. That's it. No more about that. Hallelujah. So anyway, Ephesians chapter 1, let's look there for just a minute, and we'll start in verse, Ephesians 1 verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. See, we're we're seeing all these riches spelled out here to the Ephesians and to us according to the riches of his grace, verse 8, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself." made known to us the mystery. And so every spiritual blessing we see uh, in the verse before that, in in, uh, verse 3, every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ, nothing missing, nothing broken, nothing lacking. He's done all that he's got to do. And we just need to be people who are not, we're not people who are standing outside of the promises in the mystery zone, wondering what they are, but to have the revelation uh, uh, of what he's done like we have the revelation of our salvation. The way you know you're saved, you know, you don't worry about it when you're going to kick the bucket one day because, and they're all going to say, he's in a better place. Everybody's decided you're going to be in a better place. Well, I hope you know you're going to be in a better place. There is better places than here, although the Bible does talk about days of heaven right here on earth. We should be enjoying some really great days here. You know, it's not God's will that we just are miserable for 82.5 years and then we finally get to go to heaven when we die. I mean, isn't that a weird thing that we always, in any kind of religious circles, it's always about when you die. What about when you die? That's a great benefit. I mean, you go to heaven when you die. That's a wonderful thing. But what about the next 20, 30, 40 years? You know, God, see, we're not stepping into eternity. We're already in eternity. It's already started. You don't have to pass from here to heaven to begin to enjoy the presence of God. There will be one day in his presence. Well, right now, right here. 
You know, anybody that we ignore long enough takes a less significant role in our lives, no matter who that is, whether it's your friend. Try, try ignoring your friends for a while. You got a friend you're really tight with? Just try ignoring them for a while. Check in a couple years and see how the friendship's going. You got a wife or a husband? Just ignore them for a while. Check back in nine minutes and see how the marriage is going. Forget about God and ignore him when he's speaking to you and his presence is there with you. Lose sight of the fact that you can have your best friend with you all the time and you can kick things around with him and that he'll speak to you in your heart and show you things to come and he'll be your constant companion, a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Just keep putting that aside and pretty soon you'll wonder, why don't I ever hear from God? What's going on in my life? You know, there is, there is this great message of grace where the things that we have available to us are not based on our performance. But I'm going to tell you what, your performance will absolutely affect your relationship with God. It absolutely will. It won't, your performance won't get you saved. It won't make you go to heaven when you die. But I'll tell you what, if, you will, if you'll be a person who invests your life in this relationship with God, you'll find great riches in it, just like any friend. You know, where we read a couple weeks ago, it's impossible to please God without faith. Well, it's impossible to please anybody without faith. Think about the people that you know and love. You, you don't believe what they say? How's your relationship going to be? Not too good. I know this is all coming across as kind of negative, but hey, maybe we need to hear this this morning. Thank God for his grace, but thank God for the ability to step into that thing that says we're created unto good works. Good works. You mean do something? <laughs> He's been gone and got legalistic now. So verse 9, we see the, this word, the mystery, having made known to us the mystery. Well, I looked up that word in the um, Strong's and also in the Vines Dictionary, and mystery is the Greek word. And, you know, in Strong's, if you got one of them or if you can find it on the Internet, it breaks down how that word sounds, when you, how it's supposed to sound when you say it. And this one says mosterion, mosterion, and that's mystery. I'm sure somebody who knows how to speak that language would probably get it right. So, mysterion. Uh, in Strong's it says it's a secret. But in Vines it really brings out some important things about that word mystery. And we're going to see that word mystery peppered through chapter 3, talking about the riches of God. In Vines it says mystery, mysterion, is that which is known only to the initiated. Now, when... You know, you go into a club, there's, a, there's an initiation, you know. I mean, you never saw Fred Flintstone walking into the rock club or whatever it was he did without doing the sign. Does anybody know? Fred Flintstone, that was a comedy. That was on. T- huh. There's an initiation. Sometimes to get into a club, you've got to pay a, a fee to get into it. You can join a golf club. You know what? You're going to pay an initiation fee. It's just, it's just the way it is. And this, to be initiated, I believe, is that you heard and believed uh, the good news, the gospel, and you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Verse 13 says, In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. So the initiation, let me get back to it, because it says, Vine says that mysterion is that which is known only to the initiated. That means it's available for us. It is outside the range of unassisted natural apprehension. Now, for me, who went to public school, that is a, a lot of words that I don't necessarily understand without taking them apart real good. 
It is, this mystery is outside of the range of unassisted natural apprehension. In other words, in order to be a partaker of this mystery, you need some help. That's what it's saying. You need assistance. Not from me, from the Holy Spirit. We need assistance from the Holy Spirit to understand the mystery. Amen? We've got to have him to help us. So it's outside of the range of unassisted natural apprehension. You, don't, you can't get it without some help from the Spirit. It is made known by divine revelation in God's manner, in God's time, and to those he chooses. Do you know that you are the one that's chosen? You're one of the chosen ones. We're chosen to be partakers of this mystery. He has chosen us, and he does it with the Holy Spirit. You know, Hetty could look at her bank book and see that she was rich. But we, and, and, but we can't look at this book in a state of being lost or a state of not being tuned into the Holy Spirit and understand the mysteries. Some of this stuff that you get by the inspiration and the, and the revelation of the Holy Spirit, if you look at it apart from that, that seems kind of crazy. Anybody ever notice any of that? Ever, rise and shine. Anybody ever notice that when you read the Bible, it looks crazy sometimes? Yeah, well, that's when it's time to take that mystery and submit it to the Holy Spirit. And say, I need some help. I can't, I can't apprehend this without some help. We all need some help. I think we all need some help. And so, so uh, Hattie could look at her bank book, but we need to look into our hearts where the Bible says the Holy Spirit dwells. He dwells in our hearts by faith. A good example of the mystery, look over in, a little bit to the right in Colossians 1. All right, Colossians 1, check this out. This is, really, this is really a good picture of the word mystery. It says in verse 26 of Colossians 1, it says, The mystery, mysterion, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. Anytime you see his saints, it's talking about the person you see in the mirror. You say, well, I'm no saint. Well, yes, you actually are. It doesn't say you're a behaving saint. It doesn't say you're a deserving saint. It doesn't say that you're a saint because of any of your own works. But you are nonetheless a saint because of what Jesus did, and you're in him, and he's in you. So whenever you see saint, just think, that's me. The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and generation, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, this is really great, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, if you understand that Christ, the word Christ refers to not only the Son of God, but the anointing or the godness that he had on him and in him, and if you realize that hope is really not just wishing that something will happen, but really it's an earnest expectation when our hope is built in the Word of God, we have an earnest expectation, a real legitimate trusting and expectation that what He promised is going to come to pass. The, our hope, which is what our faith is based on, is built, our faith is based on hope, based on the Word of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory in a, in a uh, glory doxa, there's a, there's, you could go for hours, I mean, there's just pages of definitions, but when I think of glory, I think about the manifest presence of God. 
the manifestation of God. That's what we all want, you know, the manifestation. I'm waiting on the manifestation of something, which is also a whole different subject. But, you know, the Bible says faith is your current manifestation of the thing that you hope for. Amen. So, so, the, so the, then just getting back to the faith thing, it would be way more effective in our lives to say, I've got it, it's mine, than to say I'm waiting for it and I'm hoping for it. I, I know that some, someday it's going to come to pass. You know, faith is a present tense reality. Hope is a little bit off in the future somewhere. I ex- earnestly expect that it's going to happen, but faith says I've got it now. And then there's a voice. It usually comes from inside or from somewhere else that says, you don't seem like you got it now. Well, I didn't say I seemed like I got it now. I said I have it now. It's mine. The pain might be throbbing. The head might be throbbing. There might be all sorts of lack going on in your life. But the Bible promised you these things. And so, therefore, to step into them, we begin to talk like God. You want to get some criticism, just start talking like God. Call those things which be not as though they were. You can't imagine God stepping out on the portals of heaven in the beginning and going, dang, it's dark out here. Woo, I can't see nothing. Man, it's so thick out here, the darkness is, you could cut it with a knife. Dark as the inside of a cow out here, I'm telling you. It's t- you never see God. God says, light be, and all of a sudden, boom, there's light. Before there's even a sun, there's light. Why not, why not do the same thing he does and just begin to say about our situation what he says about it and expect that, bam, there it's going to come in our lives. The light of the glorious gospel is going to light up on the inside of us and bring about the change and the healing. So it says here that uh, that mystery, it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory. We could say the presence or the anointing of God that is in you now, your earnest expectation of the manifest presence of God in your life. That is a mystery that you get from the Holy Spirit. Amen? That's a mystery that's spelled out in the Word of God that we begin to understand and make real by the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about some good ways to do that in the next few minutes. Three prayers. Amen? Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. He reveals his riches as if saying, you can no longer be without this. He's writing this to the Ephesians, but we know that he is writing it. We, I mean, surely it's, a, it's like the scholar said, a circular letter, because just because it was for the Ephesians doesn't mean that it's not for us. And it's almost with this urgency, like in chapter 4, verse 14. In chapter 4, 14, it says, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. In other words, we should be steadfast, sold out, and stable and single-minded on these promises of God, and that makes us a person that's not wishy-washy, like a wave tossed by the sea. Amen? And so we can be solid in the things of God. It's almost, it's almost like the Apostle Paul is saying, look, up until now, you haven't heard this, but I'm telling you, you're entering a time now where it's very important that you walk in the riches of God. It's very important for us to walk in the riches of God, more so probably than it even was thousands of years ago, because there's so many voices, there's so many bright and flashing things, there's so many things to take away uh, your attention from God. 
And God's voice, as you know, is a still, small voice, so we can just get to where we don't hear the still, small voice, but we hear the loud voice of the world. And it seems like Paul is saying, here's the mystery that you need to begin to walk in, these riches, so that there's something different about you than the world. There should be some different things about us than a lost person. Amen. I mean, you shouldn't, you know, the, the, uh, the, the rate of sickness, the rate of divorce, the rate of crime, all that, all that, it seems like it should be a little different if you're calling Jesus the Lord of your life. Amen. And, you know, why would you ever steal something if you had the riches of God and knew it? If you knew you had the riches of God, why would you ever take something that belongs to somebody else? I mean, there's no reason to do that if you're just a moral person. But if you already know that his, he says, I'll meet all of your needs according to his riches and glory by and through Christ Jesus. If that's a truth that he's put out there, there's only, one, there's only one of two choices. Either you believe it and walk in it or you go, man, that sounds too good to be true. You mean he's going to meet all my needs? And then we, then we subtly deny that he meets all of our needs sometimes by wringing our hands worrying about how we're going to do what next. How are we going to pay this bill? How are we going to do that? And I'm not saying that's not normal. Everybody deals with that a little bit. But I'm saying there's a mystery that needs to be revealed to us, and that is that we don't have to, we don't have, to have a care in the world. In fact, in one place, he said, cast your cares over onto me because I care for you. So what would you do about that? Well, at the point where you see yourself starting to care about something, stop, drop, and roll. Oh, no, that's if you're on fire. If you begin to worry about something then just stop what you're doing, get your mouth in gear, and begin to say what God says. You can't outthink worries. You can't, you can't outthink your worries. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think pleasant thoughts. No, you better open up your mouth and say something. Faith without a corresponding action is dead. But you can overcome all of your worries, all of your fears, all of that stuff. You can cast it over onto the Lord. But the way you got to do it is you got to open your mouth. You say, well, I would be embarrassed if I did that around other people. Well, go get by yourself somewhere. Because I'm going to tell you what, the spirit realm is listening to whether you will buckle under this thing and just be out in Mysteryville not knowing what's going on or whether you'll walk in the revelation of what God has said in his word. One way you wring your hands with fear, the other way you hold your head high. Somebody might make fun of you, somebody might say you're arrogant, somebody might say you're a dreamer. But what the heck? You know, I was telling, I was telling Emily yesterday when we were out walking, I said, you know, I said, I think one of the biggest problems that... I've ever struggled with and most everybody I know struggles with is worrying about what somebody's going to think about something. You, you know, you get a great plan from God. You get, you get a, a, a promise from God about doing something. God puts a great dream in your heart and the first thing you do is share it with somebody who shakes their head and says, that'll never work. You can't do that. I was just reading about Walt Disney this morning and if you ever get a chance, read about that guy, man. I'll tell you what, I heard one guy say that he, until he found 12 people that would say what he was doing was absolutely impossible, he wouldn't start on the project. And everybody, all, he went to all of the most famous amusement park people and showed them his plan, and they all had a meeting at night when they, when they went to their, he went to his room and they were supposed to go to the room. They called a meeting to talk about how crazy what he was saying was. It would never work. Anybody ever been to Disney World? Anybody ever been to Disneyland? I think, it, I think it worked. I mean, so all I'm saying is these exceeding great and precious promises are ours. We either live out here in the mystery of thinking we got to beat and bang around here and, and make it happen on our own, or we fold into these promises that God has for us and live this awesome life with troubles and challenges just like everybody else, right? 
No longer will it be okay to be children tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. All right, let me step on somebody's toes and then we'll move on to Ephesians 3. That verse, when I looked at that verse this morning, I wrote, I wrote in parentheses, I do everything with a pencil or a pen, old school lines on the paper. I, I, I'm not doing this. I don't, it's too late to start for me now. I'm not interested in that. But thank God for those who can. Um, but right here, I wrote in parentheses, I put gas price example. One of the mysteries that I've always, one of the things that I've always wondered about people is how we can work. an hour, $10 an hour, whatever, however it is, whatever money we make, and have a car that we can drive around and get so incredibly excited because gas is 318 over here across town instead of 319. Now, now, when I think about the mystery and and I think about Paul saying, look, you can't be that person anymore. And if you want to hunt down cheap gas prices, I don't blame you. If it was 20, 20 cents a gallon, maybe that's something. And, and there's a reason I'm going here. If you, if you get, if you got a, say you got a 15-gallon tank, and it's two cents less per gallon, and you drive to Williamsburg, or in this case, drive to West Point to get it because it's two cents cheaper a gallon there. I mean... Think about your life and the value of your life. You're being tossed to and fro, chasing after something when God has said, I'll meet your every need. I'm not saying be wasteful or foolish. I'm not saying if it was 239, I'd go into the 259 zone. But I'm going to tell you right now, if it's 259 or 359 or 559, I'm going to pull it in there and fill it up because my air conditioner won't run in my little truck unless there's some gas in the tank. And you ain't going to save but 19 cents anyway. That's tossed to and fro. Maybe that's a terrible example. I don't know. But you know what? Why not step into the riches of this word of God right here and stop being tossed to and fro between, oh, my gosh, what will I do? And will I make my ends meet? Or what if I get sick? Or what's that feeling? Anybody ever had that feeling, those heart attacks? Anybody ever had those heart attacks? I had one like yesterday or day before. And I thought, woo, woo, what's that? You know what I did? It was a miracle. I drank some miracle juice, and it went right away. I went right to the faucet, and poured me a glass of water, and drank it, and it went right away. Evidently, I hadn't had enough water yesterday. Tossed to and fro. The Apostle Paul is saying, wake up, Ephesians. You're rich. Remember the list, the list that we read, we're adopted. We're sons of God, seated with him in heavenly places, accepted, redeemed, forgiven. All of these things are our riches. We're getting the same results Hattie got. Not, and, 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 the, and the reason is because we don't settle down before God and allow him to reveal this in our heart. We're getting there. Everybody still here? Everybody happy? Okay, almost everybody's happy. St. Calvin? Happy, okay. <laughs> All right, so back to Ephesians 3. Verse 2 says, if indeed, is that Ephesians? If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known the mystery, as I have already briefly written, the mystery. Verse 4, by which when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus. 
Romans chapter 8, verse 16. It says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. A joint heir with Christ. Boy, that's a mystery, isn't it? Everything he gets, you get. Jesus is not the favorite son. Thank God no lightning came in right there. (laughs) Jesus is not the favorite son. You're seated with him in heavenly places. God doesn't look at him and go, wow, he's really super cool, but Carol Chestnut's brand X. No, right there. Seated with him in heavenly places. Hallelujah. That's us. That's who we are. Paul was qualified to receive the revelation, and, and so are we. Paul was qualified not to stay out there in the mystery wondering what was going to happen next. He was qualified to hear from God about what, would go, what, what was coming next. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11, and it says, But I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I, was, I, ne- I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, but it came through revelation of Jesus Christ. It came through revelation of Jesus Christ. He went out, didn't confer immediately, immediately with flesh and blood, Paul said, but he conferred with the Spirit of God in the desert to get this revelation. And I'm going to encourage you not to go out into the desert, but I am going to encourage you to go into a place that Jesus talked about called the secret place. Amen? Go to the secret place. Get in the closet. Lock the door. Get some time alone with him. Stop ignoring your spouse. Stop ignoring your friends. But most importantly, stop ignoring God. He has something he wants to reveal to you that will keep you from running back and forth to try to buy a penny cheaper gas. He has something he wants to reveal to you that will bring health and healing in your body and peace in your mind and in your family. He has something that he wants to reveal to you, but as long as you're not listening to him, it's a mystery. As long as you don't say about you what God says about you, it's a mystery. And all of us have areas that are a mystery to us. And I'm telling you, there's no, there's no excuse from that. Jesus paid the ultimate pr- price, bled and died, beat like an animal, slaughtered for us so that we could be partakers of this mystery, of these, these riches. They're ours. They're, and where we live, we're like Hattie. We're living way far below. And here's the Spirit of God inside. He's knocking, saying, hey, listen up. Let me tell you the next thing. Let me tell you what you need to do about that. The voice of God. How can we receive this kind of revelation of the mystery? I want to talk about three prayers that we find, two of them right here in Ephesians and one of them in Colossians. And I'm going to go over them quickly, but just remember, the, the mystery is revealed to us. We're rich beyond measure. Like Hattie, many of us fail to live this out. All of us fail on some level to live this out. To live it, it must be a revelation by the Holy Spirit, something on a heart level, or it remains a mystery. Here are three things, three prayers that you can do, and uh, this will just take a minute. We'll go through these. Some of you may have seen them before. You're going to need a Bible for this. You don't necessarily need it right now because it's going to be up there, but at some point, if you're going to go into your closet, you're going to have to take your computer in there with you, or you could carry this Bible and carry a Bible in there with you, and a flashlight. Go in there and read it like that. Everybody still here? I know. Somebody's saying, I can take my phone in there. You know the problem with taking your phone in there and reading your Bible? Some dingbat's going to call you, and you know what you're going to do? 
You're going to be hearing from God, and God's going to be saying, listen, my daughter, let me share something with you that's a mystery that you've been trying. Hey, that's my friend. Hey, what are you doing? Take a picture of your food and send it to me. <laughs> and you got God on the line. Don't take it. Get a real Bible at least to go into the closet with. <laughs> One old person said amen. I can say that because it's mom. St. Calvin didn't even chime in with an amen for that one. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. Do not cease to give thanks for you. Paul said, I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Doesn't this sound like some mystery-solving stuff here? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. This is, this is a prayer that Paul is praying. Now let me ask you something. If prayer, if, if prayer, if Paul prayed that prayer, has it already been prayed for you? Yes, it has. So this is written in the Word of God. This is a prayer of Paul for you, and it was evidently important enough to God to include it in the book of Ephesians, which is just incredible instructions to us. We've seen chapter 1, chapter 2. These are, these are life things for us. And there it is. That's already ours. So we could say... Like the Apostle Paul, I do not cease to give thanks, Father, for hearing my prayers, for hanging out with me. That you, Father, the Lord, the Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, have given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. The eyes of my understanding are enlightened, and I know what is the hope of my calling. How do I know? Because I found it written in the Word. And it was written to me. And I know, God, you wouldn't, you wouldn't send this to me. You wouldn't put this out for me if it wasn't real. This is the hope of the calling, the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. Father, I thank you that your promises are exceedingly great and your power is towards me who believe. Which you worked in Christ when you raised him from the dead and put this same power on the inside of me. You see how that goes from being a prayer of Paul asking for something for us to being a confession that we can make over our lives in the secret place and fully expect to hear the voice of God. We should, be able, we should fully expect to hear the voice of God. We should be able to have these mysteries that we've been beating and banging around and trying to figure out. We should have them solved. The one who knows everything said, I'll, I'll show you things to come. He knows everything. And, and, and actually, it's not he knows everything. It's he knows everything. And here he is. And here's a prayer. Chapter 3, over in chapter 3, verse 14. For this reason, Paul said, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church 
by Christ Jesus to all generations. Again, you could look at that and you could say, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm named after him. Heaven and earth is mine. He's, he's dwelling on the inside of me now. He has granted to me according to the riches of his glory that I be strengthened with might through, through his spirit in my inner man. And Christ dwells in my heart. I'm rooted and grounded in love. I'm able to comprehend with all the saints, even the super saints. I'm, <laughs> I'm able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, length, depth, and height to know the love of Christ, to experience the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. Look, in verse 19, did you catch that? He just got done saying, I can know something that passes knowledge. How can you know something that passes knowledge? By revelation from God. He can cause you to know something that passes knowledge. That's written in verse 19. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. How about to him who has already done exceedingly abundantly above all that I could ask or think according to the power that works in me. To him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. That's a lot different than just asking God to reveal something to you or do something for you. This is beginning to unlock the mystery and make it your very own. Fully expecting that as you go through life, not just necessarily at that particular time, but don't you have this happen to you in life where you're going through life and all of a sudden you have an incredible thought and you go, that couldn't have come from me. I, I, I mean, that's, that, that's beyond my intellect. You might say, how could I have even known that? Where did that even come from? Well, it starts in the secret place, loving on God and him loving on you. And then at some point, you yield yourself and you don't even know it and you get quiet and you don't even know it. And all of a sudden, this voice just speaks something to you that might make you millions or it might make you healed and whole or it might be the answer to why your son or daughter is acting so dadgum crazy. Maybe the answer is right there. No other way you could know that. There's a loving heavenly father who wants you, he doesn't want you to be beaten and banging around anymore. He wants you to be standing in the fullness of his riches. And he's saying, I'm going to show you about this. Now, this is really great news. For verse, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9, this is the third prayer and the last one. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, did not cease to pray for you and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That's exactly what we're talking about. That you may walk, could, could you, sorry to interrupt myself, but could you see how reading this every day and making it your own could change everything? I mean, can you see how just reading these prayers and calling them your own would ca cause you to be a person who you would almost have to say, hold on a second, God. I can't write that fast. So many people say, well, I don't, I don't ever hear the voice of God. Or they'll say this, how do I know that was God? How do you know it's your wife or your husband or your best friend? How do you know it's your neighbor? Well, you recognize their voice. You recognize how they look and talk and act. You, you know stuff about it. You know them. You're not going to just know God apart from putting effort into knowing God. You're not going to hear the voice of God sitting around and complaining because you never hear the voice of God. My sheep know my voice, Jesus said. They'll know. And the voice of a stranger, they won't listen to. They won't obey the voice of a stranger. We'll know the voice of God. Hey, there's a confession right there. If you're the person who says, I never hear from God, or when I do, I don't know if it's me or God or whatever. 
with all that overthinking, why not just say, Father, your word says that your sheep know your voice. And I just happen to be one of them. (laughs) It's me, Lord. And I hear your voice. And the voice of a stranger I won't in any ways follow. Speak to me, Lord Jesus. I hear you. I don't care if everybody else can't hear you. I hear you because we're tight. I keep pointing off, but he's not off there. It's easy to point to him out there. It's, 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 a lot less, um, it's a lot less responsibility if he's off in heaven ignoring your prayers. It's a lot less responsibility than having him right here speaking to you saying, if you're going to be a failure, it's not going to be because I haven't told you exactly what to do. I'm telling you what to do. I'm, I'm showing you the way. You know, I mean, you look at the shepherds, you never see shepherds just letting the sheep just, ah, just let them go. Heck with them. No, they're, they're, no, they get them. In fact, the Bible, we see the parables where he leaves the 99, right? Bring them in. He's not willing to leave you. I, I heard Pastor Chris say this a couple years ago. He's not willing to do this without you. Isn't that interesting? God was not, God's not willing to have this thing without you. He wants you. Maybe more than you want him. Here it is. For this reason, I bow. Uh, uh, for this reason, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray, and ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and understanding. Father, I thank you that you have filled me with the knowledge of your will and all wisdom and understanding. I will no longer beg you to do stuff that you've already done. I'll no longer ask you to come with me because I'll never be without you for a second in my life and throughout eternity. I will never ask you to come with me again because you are with me and I'm with you. We are one to the exclusion of another. You can't separate us. We're one. So there's no sense in us talking about you having left me so that you can come to me. You don't, you can't, God cannot come to you because he's already in you. How's he going to come when he's already here? That's got to be frustrating being God. (laughs) That you may walk worthy of the Lord. Father, I thank you that my walk is worthy of you. The areas that I've struggled with, I don't struggle with anymore because my walk is worthy of you, fully pleasing to you. I know that I always walk in faith. It's impossible to please you without faith, but I please you in everything I do. And when I do fail, thank God you're there for me, that I get your grade. Fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. I'm increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power. I have patience and long-suffering and joy. What a confession to make over yourself. Yeah, what if you just did it every day for 30 days? Just said this over yourself for 30 days. Do you think that changed your life? You heard something life-changing here at Faith Fellowship this morning. Just do that. You say, well, I, I'm grace. I don't have to do that. You're right. You don't have to do it. You don't have to pray. You don't have to hang out with God. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to give. You don't have to serve. You don't have to walk in love. You don't have to do anything. But look how terrible your life is when that's who you are. If your life is going to be rich and full, why not do what he says? He's God. He made you and loves you, always for you and never against you. He said, do these things. Call those things that be not as though they were, expecting that, boom, there they are. Light be. Wouldn't you love to have been there that day? Well, one day you might get him to replay that for you. All of these things, so that's the prayers. Pray them over yourself. Speak them over yourself as a confession. Number two is just study the word. You know, you get to a Bible, look into the treasure chest, and find the treasures. 
They're all in there. And if you don't understand, just ask the Father. He'll, he'll reveal them to you. That's, that's, that's how we get revealed the mysteries. If it's a mystery to you, how could this be? You don't need to know how it is. Allow him to show you how it is. The exceeding great and precious promises. And then finally, what we won't get into is um, learning to commune with your own heart. Um, all through the Word of God, we're admonished to commune with our heart. That's not something in America we do a whole lot of because we think this is where it's all at right here. We think our head is the answer. Well, what we know in our head is a very small percentage of our life and our experience and how we've been conditioned to live this life and what we believe, a very small part of it. But in our heart, what we really believe, our heart, the real us, the part of us that's, that's got us, our spirit, our soul, uh, this God in the midst of it, this who we really, really are, we need to learn to talk to that guy. We need to learn to talk to him, and we need to learn to listen to him or her because that's who you really are. You're not, you're not the thoughts that keep flying through your head. Who you are is that it's, it's not a speedboat, it's a ship, and it moves in this direction, and we need to talk to it about which way the rudder is going to be going so we, we can know which way we're going and where we're supposed to go. If our heart doesn't condemn us, we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive from him. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. Life comes out of this place. And our heart is changed and influenced in the secret place. And um, you know what? We, need, we, all, we, all need to learn, we all need to learn to commune, hang out, talk with, and experience our heart, which is who we really are. Amen? So just take that with you today. Bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. If all that made you mad, I am certainly thrilled about that. Because one thing about it, if you get mad, that means you got some emotion about it. Old Jerry's up there ranting and raving, but it'll cause you to think about it. And that God that lives on the inside of me, who also lives on the inside of you, will speak to you and let you know that this is something you needed to hear today.